Good morning. Morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you that we can gather here as your people and to hear from you. God, that you would superintend this time that we have together and that, God, that your name would be glorified and be lifted up. Father, I ask that uh, you be with each one and even in myself to give us ears to hear what you would have to speak to us today. So God, again, we want your name to be glorified and praised that every tongue would hear, every nation, language, people group would hear of your name, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I uh, was blessed when I was asked to, uh, I thank the elders for the opportunity to share of the ministry that uh, we were in, in uh, mainly with our, my work with E3 partners in Mexico and in Moldova. And uh, so uh, people ask me where I've been. In the last few months, I'll say, I've been home. I haven't been in Mexico or Moldova. But uh, anyways, these are some pictures that uh, I have of Mexico and Moldova where we were at last year. But I really wanted to just kind of quickly give you an overview of what's been going on since COVID has happened. I was telling Debbie the other day, I think I've done more training in the last few months than I've done in all the years I've been with with E3 partners, that I am on a weekly schedule with all my people in Mexico and Moldova. Weekly, we're doing training. And it's not just that I'm doing the training and the teaching. I really call it more peer-on-peer, that I'm learning from these men that are working in these fields. And every field that we work in is different, right? And so I have been just growing, learning from these men and their families. So just real quickly, I'll just go over some of these that uh, many of you will recognize that uh, this is Pastor Isai and uh, his wife Veronica and his family. Steve and Alan, I know, have been there uh, and worked with me uh, in this field. And uh, actually, this is where we really started rolling out our new strategies back in Oh, wow, 2013 maybe. And so right now, his church has about 65 people. And we started with a little house church. And uh, so it's incredible. And he's working with the Parapacha people group there. So uh, it's incredible what God's been doing there. And then uh, this is Nacho. And this is his new wife. And they have a new baby this year. So uh, I don't know. Some of you guys said you're late coming along and getting married. I think Nacho was 40 years old. So now he's a father. So, But Nacho also works there in the same region with uh, Pastor Isai. And uh, and then uh, this is Gio and Cynthia. Uh, they live in the same area. They uh, he, Gio is a nurse. Uh, Cynthia is a, a biblical counselor, and uh, but they just have a heart. And as I show you pictures of these people, they all have their own house groups, you know, of five to fifteen people each. 
And so it's, so it's not just one church. They're all leading groups in different villages in this region. Uh, and that, and through Gio and Cynthia, that uh, that uh, Dr. Andres and Laura came to Christ, and now they have, and they're leading a house church through their influence within the medical field. And so it's incredible to watch this expand and saturate a region with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then uh, Sol and uh, Elvira, they are Parapacha. And they live in Corapan, which is just nearby where the rest of these folks live. And so they are also leading groups among the Parapacha. So uh, it's incredible to watch the multiplication take place as we teach those to obey and follow Jesus. And setting that DNA right from the very beginning of what a disciple does, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ does. And, uh, and then uh, this is Pastor Hector and his family. They're in Urapan, Michoacan. Uh, last year we t- had a team in there. And uh, they are now reaching more people outside of their church than attend their church. So their church that he's been there for years has like 25 people, right? But outside of their church they have groups going on. And there's over 40 people in those groups. And the same way with Pastor Rene and his wife. They had like 15 people in their in the mother church, but they were reaching over 40 people out in the community where they meet in homes and uh, starting churches that way because a lot of people won't come to a traditional-looking church, right? So uh, they're doing an incredible work in a very difficult area, uh, but uh, they are leaning into this. And so we're all excited, and we pray for one another. So when I meet with these guys once a week, it's not hearing from me, but I want to hear from them and, and, and pray for them, uh, one for another. So I'd ask you, as you see these faces and remember them, I'll pray for them as they do this work. And this is uh, Pastor Luis and Julie. Again, I think uh, Steve and Alan and, and John and Catherine have all been there. This is where we uh, did a medical uh, team uh, there. And... Uh, and now they've started different groups in uh, some some of the smaller villages with the Nawas. And so uh, pray for them as they continue to do uh, a work there. And uh, we, we, we meet about once a month on a video and discuss. But actually I'm in communication with them almost daily. But, uh, and then uh, Hector. Now Hector, some of you probably heard me tell this story about Hector. Hector actually got caught up in the law here in the United States years ago uh, for selling uh, drugs and spent a prison term. And, uh, and God released him from that prison sentence, but he was deported back to the United States. But he came to Christ in prison and was discipled through prison fellowship ministries. And Hector is just one of those guys that his pastor here in the United States uh, called me and connected me with Hector and Hector drove for hours to meet me when he heard that I was in Michoacan. And, uh, and since then, uh, he's been with me on several of our training trips and expeditions as an interpreter also. But uh, we started doing training, and I was supposed to be with him this year in February and March uh, with the Mesteca down in Oaxaca State. And I told him I can't come. It's not going to happen. And so he says, what are we going to do? And I said, you need to go teach the people up in the mountains. 
And he's like, I can't do that. Well, guess what? He said people are dying without the gospel. They're perishing into eternity. That was his heart. And so he had two other Timothys, and he took them to the mountains. And there's one of the pictures there on the right there that they're doing a training up there. And so he's going up there every uh, three to four weeks, continuing doing training as they reach out and share the gospel there with the Mestec in the mountains of Oaxaca State. So, uh, And then, of course, many of you already know Stas. Stas, uh, uh, we're working in Moldova. Stas has been doing church planning, and him and I meet once a week. And uh, I learn a lot from him because he's been doing house church planning for many, many years. And so uh, we, uh, it's iron sharpening iron that we learn from one another what, what works, what are the best practices that we uh, can learn from and in within the context of where we're working at. So, so uh, actually, uh, I would say with Stas, be praying for them because either today or tomorrow they're doing what's called a blessings ministry and they'll take food to families, to 20 families. And the mayor has decided uh, uh, to join them. The mayor actually asked them of their village if they could join them to watch them. So when they go out and give food to people that have need of food, uh, they will pray for them, but they also have that opportunity to share the gospel. So I know the mayor's going to hear the gospel many, many times as they travel with Stas and his wife, Aya. So be praying for them as they do that. Um, and then here's some others that I do some uh, work with uh, that are practitioners. And, uh, and uh, Pastor Daniel down there on the right-hand side, I think uh, Steve and... And John and Catherine know Daniela. That's uh, their family. And him and I uh, meet. Uh, he asked me early on, he says, Lau, can I go through your material? Can we meet once a week? And just and so now Daniel is looking at praying about on their strategy and changing their strategy slowly for their church, that it would be uh, following Christ but also making disciples to impact our city there in Puebla. So I would, I would, to tell you what we're doing here is simple church. It's Acts chapter 2. It's teaching people how to love God and how to love others, but then also to go and make disciples. Those are that. That's the framework of Simple Church. And all these churches that I'm talking about all started by how? Going out and sharing the gospel. We just don't want to forget about how we started church, right? We don't want to forget about that DNA that started from the very beginning because we set that DNA right from the beginning that this is what believers do. This is what followers of the Lord Jesus Christ do. And in the center of this is that Jesus is king. That is simple church. And they're learning how to obey and follow and love Jesus at the same time in their communities. And so that's how we can saturate a whole region with the gospel. Just like you've probably heard me say when I talk about no place left, that Paul was able to say that in Romans 15, that there was no place left for me to do do any more work here because the churches have been started and they're carrying on the work. 
They're just not gathering in church and not going out. They continue to go out and share this message. So just a, a little bit of difference is here is that the squares represent uh, what ch- church looks like in the it's dominant in the West, right? Uh, we've added buildings, we've added staff, and we've added programs. And then with all those things, we need a budget, right, to run that. So what happens is is that it's not reproducible, right, or it's not sustainable, right, in a lot of most parts of the world. It is not. So it's difficult to even start a church this way. And sometimes that's what people try to do in other parts of the world because they see our model and then it fails. We're not saying that square churches are not needed. They are. We're all the body of Christ. But we're trying to introduce to show that the triangles are also necessary for to saturate an area with the gospel, right? So if we take away the square, we have simple church. And you read it in Acts chapter 2. They're loving each other, right? They're loving God. They're worshiping the Lord. They're teaching the Word of God. And they're making disciples on a daily basis. Right, and so that's what we're leaning into, and that's what now some of these churches that we've started have become more square, right? But their DNA, they're still going out and teaching others to make disciples. So once that is set, it multiplies, right? But we don't want to start with the square church because they can't afford it. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little later on. But where I wanted to go this morning. was on this verse that our that the Lord Jesus entered through a narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction and there are many who enter through it for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few who find it beware of the false prophets who will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. One of the things I learned from my brother in Moldova, when uh, many of you might know about the three circles we share, he has on his circle the wide gate and the narrow gate image on one of his circles. And I thought that is so powerful because we forget this, that Jesus warned us of this. There are two roads to eternity. There's a road that's less traveled. Right? Two roads to eternity, and it's a road less traveled. And the only way it gets to people is from our mouth to their ear. And that means that involves you and me. There is a religious path a religious system to eternity. And then there's a biblical path to eternity. And on this chart, I'd show you, I don't know, have any of you seen this chart before? 
Now, let me explain. On the bottom line is the destination for hell. Right? You see that orange line along the bottom? That's the destination for hell. And the flames designate hell over on the right side. And the top line, the purple line, designates heaven. Many are taught right from the beginning, if you look over, you see the line of people lined up of being baptized. The water baptism is a way. It washes away their original sin. And that's according to some very religious systems in this world. And we encounter this on this side of the world, and we encounter it on the other side of the world where my friend works in Moldova. We have these systems in place. And they become righteous if you look up at the top. Number two, I don't know if you can see that number up there, but up above the purple line is that they become righteous before God that way. But as they commit these venial sins, these little red dots that you see, number three, right? Those are lesser sins, right? And they lose some of their righteousness. Does that make sense? As they commit these little sins. But then, if they commit a mortal sin, which you see in the green at the very bottom, that's like committing adultery, murder, not attending church. Is everybody here today? Online? Are you here? Because that's a mortal sin, and that will send you to hell. You see there, once they are destined to hell again, and they must be re-justified again. The only way that they can do this is to confess it to a priest. Start doing good works. Receive the sacraments in the hopes to merit the grace and to receive eternal life. Again, up at the top, number six, heaven. For this religious person has gone through this cycle many, many times. Any mortal sin he has committed must be re-justified again. Think about that what that would mean to you and for me. The people I showed you pictures of, this is the world they live in every day, right? One day this religious person will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at the great white throne judgment, and only then will he realize that his good works were not good enough. That up and down cycle, every day, every other day, once a month, this cycle heals the life, the hopelessness, only to realize that God demands perfection. And how can that happen? They will hear the most terrifying words that anyone can ever hear at that moment. When Jesus says to them, Depart from me, for I never knew you. 
and he will cast them into the eternal lake of fire. Not an easy subject, right? That's the world that we're living in now. There's people living in this world right now. This is the broad road that Jesus is talking about that leads to destruction. It is a broad road, a broad way that is made up of works and self-righteousness. How serious is this? You think it's fatal? It's fatal. That's our message. Here's something in the news. The Archdiocese of Detroit, this is last month, the Archdiocese of Detroit is seeking to contact anyone who have have received invalid sacraments after a priest of the Archdiocese learned his own baptism as an infant 30 years ago was invalid. On August 6th, the Vatican Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith issued a note clarifying that baptisms using an improper formula, namely those using the phrase, we baptize you, instead of the church's ancient formula, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, are not valid. We continue. There was definitely shock and sadness at finding out 30 years later that I was never baptized. I was alienated since that even though I was following the Lord, I wasn't a Christian and I wasn't a priest. I wasn't a deacon. He told the Detroit Catholic Online News outfit at the Archdiocese of Detroit. The article goes on. Now they're trying to find all the people that have been baptized by him because it's invalid. And their salvation started at baptism, right? Works and self-righteousness. But Jesus spoke of another way. Jesus talked of a narrow way, and this way is the biblical way. It is not of water baptism, but faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Once we have been justified... By God through faith, we begin following Jesus through sanctification. God promises those He justifies, He will one day glorify. So there is never, there is never an opportunity for those that have been justified to fall back down and be destined for hell again. Exactly. That is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That's the good news that whenever we share this message, that is good news. For a person that's been living in this religious system, once they understand that, that's what you hear is an amen. It's over. The struggle is over. Jesus has done it for me. He has justified me. So at the end of a believer's life, they will not meet Jesus at the great white throne judgment. 
but at the Bema Seat of Christ. And they will hopefully hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And there we will worship the Lord and sing praises to our Lord's name. Two roads to eternity. Jesus said, very few find this road to eternity. Very few find the narrow road. Why is that? We must tell those of the broad road, right? About the narrow road. That's why I liked about when Stas had the narrow road and the wide road on his three circles. I says, boy, that's our message. The scripture verse that we read in Matthew warns us, right? It tells us there are false teachers in sheep's clothing, ravenous wolves. These ravenous wolves are standing, blocking the narrow road. And they're saying, no, go this way. That's what they do. Some of you have probably heard me tell this story. Forgive me, you're going to hear it again. Years ago in Moldova, we're sharing the gospel in this little village. And by day number two, the people were throwing their Bibles that we had given that to them the day before. They were throwing them back at us and they were coming at us in picks and shovels and stones to run us out of the village. And like, where did this come from? Who do you think it came from? It came from the local priests. The local priests had told people that, that we're here to steal and to kidnap their children. There was a meeting that we had with this priest and the mayor. And after the discussion, we took a picture of us all together. And the mayor's smiling. One of our E3 team leaders is smiling. And then the priest standing there. Because the mayor said, I like what these people are doing. Let them into your village. But see, it was the religious person. It was that priest that was standing, blocking the narrow road and allowing his people to perish, to go the wide road. We all need to come to the knowledge of the truth. We must tell people about the most trustworthy authority and that is His Word. It is the authority that you're holding in your hand, hopefully today, either on an electronic device. It is this authority that has more authority than traditions of men. And we've all probably seen plenty of tradition of men. But can we be biblical? And can we believe what this is trustworthy? We must tell people of the sin and of God's righteousness. James 1.18 says, 
He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Ephesians 1.13 In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. 1 Timothy 2.4 Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? You think God's heart is people to come to the knowledge of His truth? Is that a yes? A maybe? Yeah. You see, true love loves truth. Just as God loves truth, and hates any false way. You see, there is much tolerance within the body of Christ today. We tolerate we tolerate a different gospel. We tolerate a different Jesus. But if we really love God and love His truth, we will also hate every false way. Does that make sense? Some religious people, it says, right, in 2 Timothy 3 7, form of godliness, but never come to the knowledge of the truth. I still see that priest's face, that Eastern Orthodox priest's face. Even after our conversations with him and sharing with him the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, stubborn, prideful, resistant. And I think about Jesus' day and the religious leaders of His day. Exactly the same thing. When truth is compromised with error, it is no longer true. Does that make sense? I hope so because 1 John 2.21 basically says the same thing. That is why Paul said, If anyone comes preaching another gospel, let him be accursed. The very gospel that saves must remain pure. Right? The gospel that we... we It's easy to keep the gospel here within the church walls, isn't it? Hey, we're among like-mindedness. But when we go out into that harvest field, they're going to try to persuade you to compromise that truth. We can't. The truth protects us from deception. Jesus said, right? And the truth will set you free. Remember after 9-11? Let's see. I think, yeah, I see Guy, right? He's in that industry, was in, in that industry. Man, after 9-11, I know in our aviation world, Everything changed. Security levels went up. I mean, it was crazy. But then for the public, right? TSA, our friends, right? (laughs) There's a no in the back. Yeah. And the machines, right? That you got to walk through. Some of them, I remember, you had to put your foot in there and they'd scan your boot. Yeah. 
Now, what you walk through, you got to stand up and it'll rotate. What if there was a, what if we had a scanner here in the church that you walk through? And it said, You're a liar. You're depending on self righteousness. You're depending on good works. Right? We tend to do that ourselves. God knows us. We don't need a machine. But that'd be a scary thought, wouldn't it, if the machine was able to do that? The most trustworthy authority is the Lord Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thy word is truth, he says in John 17, 17. Jesus came to testify to the truth. We know that the purpose of hell is to punish those, the devil and his fallen angels and all sinners to die without faith in Christ. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath abides on him. So those that are perishing without Christ need to be warned, do they not? I don't like to force amens, but yeah. Perhaps no one wants to talk about this about hell is because it is not a pleasant topic. Many pastors, teachers, churches avoid this subject because it is gloomy and it is counterproductive of building my church. Yet the Lord spoke more about hell, and you probably have heard this, right? The Lord spoke more about hell than anybody else in the Bible. Why? You think it's pretty important? If we knew someone was going to do something and it was going to kill them, would we not want to warn them? I don't know. It'd be like taking the airplane up, guy and... 200 feet above the ground and I'm going to put it in a full stall. What do you think my odds are of surviving? It's going to be pretty tight. I'm going to run out of altitude. He would warn me, Lyle, don't do that. His mission was to seek and to save sinners from a just punishment. When the Lord ascended to heaven, He gave a vital, important mission and that responsibility to His church. It's given to you and me. Christians alone are in the position to rescue those who are perishing and to seek those who will not seek God. 
Let me say that one more time. To rescue those that are perishing and to seek those who will not seek God. You see, Jesus told us to go, not to come, right? We're the ones that have to go to the harvest field. They're not going to seek God. They're not seeking God, right? I don't know how many of your experiences are, but I think I wasn't seeking God. It was somebody that came to me and shared this message, right? God was probably working in my life before that, but I wasn't seeking God. Real quick, here's a, one of the exercises we do, what we call the brutal facts and end vision. And up here we give the population of Moldova, and then we say, okay, if we can make disciples of that percentage, 10%, sociologists tell us that if 10% of the population is proclaiming something, the rest of the population will hear that message. So if we can train and mobilize 330,000 Moldovans to share the gospel, then the average size church is 50. We need 6,728 churches. Right? Makes sense? Now, don't look at the bottom number because that would be, that's a number that it would take if we wanted to build a traditional square church. Right? That's the average worldwide, $250,000. Is it reproducible? Not very good, right? I have a donation box in the back. If you'd like to give them Moldovan fund of building churches, we only need, yeah. But the number I want you to look at is the death rate of 12.6% in Moldova. So we have 51,000 people a year, a month, 4,200, daily, 140, and six every six hours, or every, yeah, six people every hour. Are you getting a vision? Are you getting a vision for lostness of people that are perishing into eternity? 96% lostness. That's why Jesus talked about many will go into that way, the wide way. San Marcos, Hayes County. You plug in the numbers. Now that stat is not for our county for 8.2%. That's the U.S., but that's the population of San Marcos and Hayes County. You plug in the numbers and see the percentage. And roughly, you can plug in the numbers. Is it 76% that's lost in this area? Is it 85 or 90%? There's people that have those statistics. But you crunch the numbers... And see if God breaks your heart for those that are going the wide road. That are perishing. That's why all our guys do an exercise on this. Not only on their country, but on their city. To catch what is the Father's heart. That He gave His only Son. That it's not Christ plus anything else. It cost Him everything. For these people, they're perishing. Divine justice must be satisfied. Every sin that has ever been committed by anyone who has ever lived must be punished by God. 
who is holy and he's righteous and just. Yet some people still ask this question, right? How can a loving God send anyone to hell? Answer, right? I always say you should be asking another question. Why should God let you into his, allow sinners into his heaven? Both questions are answered in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Our loving God provided a way of an escape. Are we sharing with people that way escape? You know, I mean, not only with my guys, but I'm meeting, you know, on a weekly basis with guys that are running with church planting in Florida. And so our questions are each other. How many times did you share the gospel last week with somebody? Sobering, right? That loving accountability because we know people are perishing. Those are hard questions. And there's some honest answers to that. Are we broken? Jesus satisfied that divine justice for all who trust in him as a substitute and atone for their sins. The Savior imputes to every believer the gift of his perfect righteousness and cancels their eternal sin debt. Wow, we know this stuff, right? We just need to get it from mouth to ear. He canceled every one of our sin debt. Why? Because I'm righteous? One of the examples I always share is when I came to Christ. This is freedom for people when they understand that I say God doesn't see me anymore. He sees his son in me. And now when he looks upon me, he sees his son. He doesn't see Lyle Smith anymore. That's liberating. That's freedom. Right? That Jesus paid all that for us. Daniel 12 tells us, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. Those to everlasting life. But others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. God has provided the only way of escape. Many roads lead to hell. There are many roads that lead there. The religions around the world. They all teach a works righteousness system, gaining favor, forgiveness, forgiveness from God. But a study of church history shows us, I think Pastor Jim has shared that, who was Jesus' biggest obstacles of his day? The religious leaders. They have been the ones that have been the most resistant, the religious systems of the advancement of the gospel. Of the Lord Jesus. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Jewish leaders turned Jesus over to the Romans to be crucified. 
Islam offers a counterfeit. Jesus was not crucified and is not God. All other religions reject or distort God's gospel. When we speak, I think of, as I was traveling with an evangelist so many years ago in the 70s, man, new believer running with Jesus, wanting to share the gospel with everybody, tackle them, right? He said, Lyle, remember, you can win an argument but lose the soul. I always tried to remember that. I think Apostle Paul on Mars Hill. Wow. He could have ripped those guys up, right? But he started exactly where they were needing and letting them know, let me tell you about this unknown God, the creator of heaven and earth. He started where they were at. That's what we need to do with our message and speaking in truth and love. A momentary glimpse of intense suffering, terrible torture that is going on in hell right now as we're sitting here. Think about it. Close your eyes if you need to. Catch that glimpse. This should motivate more Christians to warn unbelievers of their impending peril. In your workplace, in your walk of life, we need to share this message because people are perishing every minute, second. Are we broken for that? And my people that I'm showing you there in Mexico, Moldova, they got a heart for this. They're broken for their nation. And they know that Jesus is the only hope. He is the narrow gate. And people need to hear about the narrow gate. It is mouth to ear message. It's not a can't wave a wand. We have to do it. It takes the whole church to do that. If we truly love people, we will tell them of the terrifying reality of hell. And the only way of escape, and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who avoid trying to talk about this subject are aiding and abetting to what the devil wants you to do. And I know that's sobering, isn't it? If unbelievers do not know they are storing up God's wrath for themselves, that day of judgment, they will hear those words. I never knew you. I will leave you with this one image. Let me tell you a true story. Three men were crucified on that cross. Right? Jesus and who? Two thieves. Both of those thieves started their time on that cross mocking Jesus. Right? You know the story? 
in Luke. What's amazing to me is how excruciating the death on a cross is. And these men had the wherewithal to mock Jesus. And yet Jesus had the wherewithal to pray for them and others. Right? Yet one of the miracles on that cross while in agony himself, right? He heard the Spirit of God speak to him. And God called him to repentance. And he accepted the forgiveness of Jesus at that moment. Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. Isn't that incredible? You think of the situation that's going on there. Right? I mean, it is brutal. Man, what a Savior. If we could do it, I'd put hashtag, what a Savior. But the other thief rejected the message while going through the same torture. So don't get dismayed or discouraged when somebody rejects the message you offer of the narrow way. You're going to have one or the other. But we need to share that from mouth to ear to somebody. The thief who believed in Jesus, he had no time to be baptized He didn't have time to give to the poor. He didn't have time to earn any good works or merits to enter heaven. It was only to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? That's our message that we have. That is the hope of the gospel. That is the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what your sin is, no matter how many sins you've committed or rules that you have broken. Man, Hector will tell you that. He broke the rules and he paid a penalty for it. But God, does he love Jesus? It's not too late to surrender and accept the free gift of salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will give you a new life today. Immediately. Every believer can rest on this promise. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely home to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Two roads to eternity. I'll leave you with this quote. Maybe it fits. Nate Saint a martyred missionary in Ecuador in 1956 with his colleagues taking the gospel to an indigenous people group. He said, and people asked me, who do you know? He said, and people who do not know the Lord ask me why in the world we waste our time as missionaries. 
they forget that they too are expending their lives. And when the bubble bursts, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years that they have wasted. I don't know about you. I don't want to waste my life. I really am looking for that day of people that I probably don't even know, but they came to Christ and somehow it came through these men and women that I've shown with you pictures that shared the gospel from mouth to ear. Isn't that a joyful thing to think about that He gives to each one of us? Can we commit this week to pray for people that we know that are far from God and to share this message of hope with them? Right? To warn them of the wide road and to tell them there is a narrow way that God is offering for them. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God But it is a wonderful thing to fall into the arms of a loving Savior. Let's pray. Dear God, let's not go and share with people how much we know about You. But God, that we would share and show people how much we care about them. And share with those that are on a broad road that we know that leads to destruction. Forgive me of my disobedience, of not working in your harvest field. God, may we start anew and afresh. May we look at the population around us with your eyes, Lord Jesus. Give us the Father's heart for the brokenness of those that are dying and perishing into an eternal damnation and hell. Bring to our minds, even now, the faces and the places that we can have impact. May we let God confront us. May we allow you to invade our space in regards of this spirit of isolation and independence that has to be removed from us and place us into usefulness for your kingdom. Dear God, give us your heart, a heart of flesh, not of stone. Break us for the lostness around us. Show us your heart for your harvest field. Place people in close proximity this week and the weeks to come that we may share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ that brings freedom in you and the freedom of truth through the Holy Spirit. And may we do it out of loving obedience to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.